Breakfast puppies? This podcast contains adult language and content and is meant for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to The Glitter Boys. We're finally, finally diving into the Dimension Book series. Oh, yes. These were running parallel to the World Book series and the Source Book series. The Dimension Books take Rift's players beyond Earth into other places, other realities, other potentialities of gaming. It's worth noting that this isn't the other realms of already published Palladium uh, fiction or, or settings. These are, well, with one exception, these are new worlds mainly created and brought in to the Rift's universe. Yeah, this one opens up with a bang, in my opinion. It just fires some cannons and starts charging the enemies with Wormwood, which is probably my favorite Palladium book of all time. Really? <laughs> oh, God, yes. Okay, then I'm I'm going to feel bad then. From that sweet, sweet cover to that fucking, just the whole death metal feel to the thing from beginning to end. It's so punk rock. It's got motorcycles. It's got <laughs> demons. It's got people with crosses on their faces. It's got living armor. It's metal. This is, as I said before, Palladium is metal as fuck. And this book is a prime example of that in action. I really did like this book. Um, there was... A couple of things I took issue with, and I, I hope you'll forgive me after you just saying that this is your favorite. <laughs> Mainly, I, I, I think I think I'm having a trouble with all the exclamation points. There is a lot of exclamation points. This is this is like a, a hyperactive 13 year old sending you a text exclamation points. It's there there's there's quite a few. It's just just give me data. Well, I'll tell you what, this is 1994. So Rifts has been out now for four years. And mm -hmm. I think that this is something, I think that what you were describing is something that we're going to see a lot of in some of the earlier books. There's a lot of exclamation points and descriptions. It, it, things get pretty exciting. <laughs> One thing I really liked about this was the the shape of the world they created, the the concept. This isn't a planet with something new on it. This is a, a new... This is a new kind of reality, I, I suppose. Like, uh, it's it's a new base. It's not, and in this planet with the double moons, you know, it's 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 more. It's it's all encompassing. And uh, the difference between this and something else is the planet itself is alive. It's not a symbiote sitting on top of uh, a barren rock that it's eaten and then is it's used. That's that's Star Trek. This is an entire living planet and it's not just the planet the planet itself is the dimension it's as if this planet and the space around it sits all by itself out in the middle of who the hell knows where its own plane of existence it's pretty cool in my opinion wormwood is the name of the planet it's the name of the dimension and it's the name of the book and it opens up with a comic book by the creators who are um uh, Flint Henry and Timothy Truman. Now, they worked with Kevin to bring this to the Rifts universe. And it I think it makes a pretty good start to the Dimension Book series because it's so different than what you are used to. Yeah, it's out there. This gets you excited for the new dimensions that are going to follow. 
And the comic book introduction, it's it's very 90s. Yes. But it's also like kind of gruesome and it's got worms and scabs and, and, and slime and monsters and demons and pustules and what the fuck is that thing crawling across the earth? It's a very scabrous setting. It reminds me a lot of the, the early 90s heavy metal art, too. Oh, I, yeah. I don't know where these where these guys are from, but uh it's got goat headed demons. It's got a oh, wolf headed demons that basically look like goats. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. People, everyone is smoking a cigarette. <laughs> yeah. Holy, holy warriors with crosses on their on their eyes smoking cigarettes uh-huh. with born to boogie on their armor. <laughs> yeah. Chainmail leotards. <laughs> There's there's some really cool stuff happening in Wormwood. Uh-huh. I like the single economy concept. I like defined evil, defined good, and that is your struggle. It, it as as someone running it, this would be ideal because there's there's no questionable ethics here. The baddies are the baddies, the goodies are the goodies, and the the twain shall fight. Yeah, even the the questionable heroes like the Apoc. Yeah. They're really good, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, like you as a player and you as a GM know that that APOC is a champion of good. Now, of course, the people of the setting think that due to the APOC's past, the APOC mm-hmm. might be still a bad guy. But no, no, they're they're pretty solidly good. This whole this whole good versus evil, light versus dark. I love it. Yeah, it, it makes it it makes it simpler. I, I've seen so many games go off the rails because people are wondering is, is this the right person to fight? Are we doing the right thing? No, no, no. That bad, go slay. <laughs> it's, yeah, it, it paints a pretty bleak picture here. We've talked about Palladium and their apocalypses. This is another apocalypse. This dimension is under siege by a group calling themselves the host. They are these kind of demonic wolf things led by the most powerful of them called the unholy. Now, like a lot of Rift's books, this starts with Aaron Tarn. Mm -hmm. A a very long, this is how I found myself here. This is what I found there. Kind of giving you uh, an overview. And she talks about her journey from the Badlands to arguably the Goodlands and all the things that she encountered between. If you pick this book up and you read the introductory comic and then you read the bit by Aaron Tarn, you should pretty much know everything that this setting is about. Like it covers it all right there in the first, yeah. what, 40 pages. It has maps. And just judging by what I see, it looks like the world is about, assuming this is the entirety of it, somewhere around 12,000 miles and in, in, uh, 1,200 miles in circumference. I didn't really look for the measurements. It could be, or it simply could be that this is just the only area that's been, you know, taken. I yeah. don't know, maybe. But yeah, it's like, we don't really get a sense of where the poles are. We don't really get a sense of anything about the, the, the true scale of things. We just get two areas of the world where shit's happening. It yeah. leads me to think that maybe they were hoping to add more books to this one later. Unfortunately, aside from a few articles in the Rifter, this is it. This is all there is of Wormwood. They never get another book. There is a lot that I feel they, they put off to be explored later. And that's why, you know, I'm, I'm a little raised eyebrow about this. Some of it is uh, the history of Wormwood itself. They, they left it as an enigma, but tantalized you a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, it appears that Wormwood was built for humans. All the, the, the temperature stays at 80 degrees. Uh, 
food and water is delivered in, you know, caves or falls from the sky. And um, it, it does, there's a lot of history behind it that I really would have liked to have delved into. Like a creation mythos uh, for it would have would have made me very happy. There was one little bit there talking about perhaps it might have been created by the true Atlanteans, which we haven't delved into the second world book yet. But when we do, we'll talk a lot more about the Atlanteans and how they spanned the galaxies and dimensions and frequently get mentioned as the potential creators of anything new and unknown. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, and it's, it's hard to talk about this because <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure where to start. So you have this, this big ass planet that's basically made out of rhino hide. Uh, you can control it with your mind. If you're special, you can bring forth water to drink. You can raise buildings. You can close doors. You can make stairways all by communing with magic with the planet and, and bringing things forth and putting them away. It's, it's malleable. It's moldable, but the planet itself doesn't have. It, it doesn't have an usness to it. It doesn't have like a, a, a Gaia thing going on. It's just it's just a thing that is like a like a biologic machine. There's mention somewhere in the book of the possibility of there being another a whole other world inside Wormwood, because yeah. all of the water comes from underground seas. So there's water under there, and people believe that there could be another world. The deeper down you go, the greater your magical power is. So there's a hint at there being some kind of a an essence there. But again, it's not explored. It's left up to you, the GM, to fill in those details on your own. And I like that personally, because that gives me more freedom to insert it into a campaign the way I want it to. Yeah. No, no, I certainly understand yeah. that. One of the things I really enjoyed about this was that humans aren't squish. Oh, yeah. All humans born on Wormwood are mega damage creatures. Yeah. Every, every, every critter on Wormwood is, is, is tougher. The effects of Wormwood, like let's say you're, you're a player character here and you go to Rift's Earth, all your cool stuff wears off real fast. Mm -hmm. You just become a regular SDC SMO, all your, all your special worms and, and uh, parasites and, and things, they, they die soon. So there's some sort of connection. No, if you are born in Wormwood and you are mega damage and you go to Rift's Earth, you remain mega damage. Is that what you mean? No, that's not what it says. I'm pretty sure. You, you keep your mega damage. The, you only lose your mega damage if you go to an SDC world like Palladium Fantasy. Oh. You are correct. All of your worms rot and fall out of your mouth because they're gross anyway. All of your symbiotes die. <laughs> Any of your planet powers, you just can't do them anymore. But you remain mega damage, which is why I actually offered you uh, when you were making your last character. I said, hey, yeah. want to be born on Wormwood? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't want worms. <laughs> The reason I even offered that to you in the first place was because I was like, man, that would be a great hook for me to bring the party to Wormwood. When I was a kid and into Rift, when, kid, when I was a tween and getting into Rift and Wormwood came out, I remember the GM that we were playing under at the time used it as a way to fuck with the party, specifically because when you go to Wormwood from another world... Your powers and abilities aren't guaranteed to be all that useful anymore. There's no ley lines on Wormwood. Which kind of drives ley line walkers a little batty. Your magic has a shorter duration and shorter range as well. The only way to counter that is to go deeper into the earth where there's ley line-like power sources. They're not quite the same, but they're similar. 
One of the things I really liked about this was that it was a new idea. You have a planet that's basically a telepathic scab, like a, a fleshy, <laughs> a, 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 a flesh planet that that's biddable and was was built as a, a biological machine. The scope of that did impress me. Like I said, it's it's not another. And by the light of the second moon, no, it was it was it was a new concept, and I really enjoyed that. It was it was good to see. It feels like a world that could have been designed by Moebius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that it's kind of done sword and sorcery, but at the same time, they have motorcycles and the latest triax gear from their raids on Earth. Um, like they just grab shit. Yeah, but those run down pretty quickly. So they don't really have any industry here at all. So the only way to keep those things running is to go steal more stuff. Well, it also seemed like they had a thriving techno wizard industry there. Yeah. Like it, it wasn't a rare thing. Like they're they're everywhere. Techno wizards are everywhere. <laughs> yeah, and 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 they're they're busy modding everything they can to wormwood power sources. Yeah, totally. I love uh, the sword and sorcery aspect of things, though. How, like, there's so much focus on melee. Like, I love this this guy with a motorcycle and a flintlock pistol. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that the good guys are frequently ugly. Like, yeah. you've got the APOC, who is just this hideous, wearing this hideous mask, but they're a total badass. They are the the one I was talking about earlier. They were once a bad person. They were once a good person who became bad and then renounced their badness and became good again. But in doing so, they gained some communion with the planet to become a redeemer. They're awesome. I, I love the, the worm speakers. I know that you think the worms are gross. And honestly, I think the worms are gross too because they're planted right in your <laughs> mouth. But doesn't that look awful? And doesn't that look cool <laughs> at the same time? There are a lot of really interesting OCCs here. Uh, the Priest of Light is cool as fuck. The Monk is awesome. The uh, the Cell Sword thing, the uh... Symbiote, yeah. Oh, no, the, no, the Freelancer. The, the fr freelancer. Yeah, those are cool. Uh, the Apox. I mean, and these are these are high powered. Like the monk can do some crazy shit. Mm -hmm. There's the, they have like this final strike option, where is is that was that the monk where they uh, where they can drain themselves? Death and strike. De yeah. Death strike. That's sick. It inflicts two d four times one hundred mega damage, but you can also die. All PPE points are gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you fall to the ground twitching uh, yep. on the battlefield and just lay there for 10 minutes. So, I mean, yeah, it's sick. And, I mean, the, the recovery time is a long period of time. It's it's not something you'll you'll cover in a game. Yeah, but it, I love giving a player that final strike option. I always have. I yeah. know, I know you do. When it's codified right into the character, mm -hmm. oh, it's great. I wish Cyber Knights had something like that. It just seems like they should, you know. The Holy Terrors? I mean, Jesus Christ. The, that's that's a Voltron villain right there. <laughs> it really does. It does look like something that fell out of the sky and had to fight Voltron. And it's a good yeah. guy. Yeah. It's it's a very friendly, polite robot. Yeah, 10 foot tall, basically living armor. That can become a 20 foot tall, basically living armor and shoot spikes at you and fingers. And it has magic spells and psionic powers. One thing I liked about this book was the going into the societal roles that each class plays. Mm -hmm. and and how they're viewed that was something i think they've gotten away from in later more or books. less like 
Yeah, yeah. like they, they don't go down and codify it to everything, probably because the universe is so big and it would just be impossible to to do a list of who hates what. I did love that they gave the social hierarchy like like yeah. in this society these people are at the top and these people are at the bottom and there's like a, a clear established pecking order yeah we have two different orders of knights available as player characters we have the knights of the temple and the knights of the hospital they're very similar they're both knights they both have the codes however the the, the knights of the temple are basically the battle knights whereas the knights of the hospital are basically the agents and there's also the the social structure of that there's yeah. uh, the knights of the temple are definitely the the upper crust uh, they are from the the good families and you dear peasant if you do very well and fight very hard you can come to our parties but you still have to live on that side of town over in the the hospitaller district and what i love about that in this book while it keeps going heavily, leaning hard into how bleak the setting is and how hopeless the hordes of darkness are and how little, how few human lands are actually claimed for good. Most of the vast majority are owned by the host these days. Mm -hmm. How even despite all that, you would think that humanity should be banding together to fight back. No, they're still dealing with their petty bullshit because humans suck. <laughs> we are cantankerous little shitheads. Yes. <laughs> we got some good NPCs. We've got yes. another presence of somebody named Lazarus. Lazarus Vespers, LV, whereas elsewhere in Palladium is Victor Laszlo, VL. I wonder how much of a connection there is here between the two. Hmm. No, that's an interesting thought. Uh, that didn't even occur to me. Yeah. Then we've Dorsey Pentecost, who looks straight out of the fucking 80s, and I love it. He's got a mullet. He's got a flintlock yeah. <laughs> pistol. He's got a fucking biker vest. Oh, I love him. <laughs> and and he has a crusader sword that is also a katana. It's only sharp on one side. <laughs> <laughs> Single edge blades. Yeah. Yeah. And throwing knives everywhere because that makes walking comfortable. Yes. <laughs> yet he's also still dressed somewhat sensibly. Even though this was the 90s, we've got normal pants. We've got boots with a slight tie around them. We don't have Rob Liefeld straps everywhere. We don't, we don't, he's not covered in pockets. He's, this, is, this is good. I love this art. And let me, let me bring that even into the modern thing for you weekend warriors out there. The more pockets you have, the more time you spend patting yourself in a combat scenario. <laughs> you don't need that much. Yeah, he doesn't look like he put that much effort into putting his clothes on. However, his hair, he might have spent a little time making his hair look cool. Well, quite. Lots of product there. <laughs> then we got the bad guys. Lots of bad guys. Good bad guys. Well, sorry. We've got a whole lot of powers. And then we got the bad guys. We've got the symbiotes and the battle saints. Oh my fucking God. I love the battle saints. They are a hundred, 200 cool. foot tall, like extensions of the earth that allow you to pilot them like a robot and go forth and just stomp on bad guys. Okay. So I lied. That's <laughs> Voltron. <laughs> and then you got another one called the battle orb, which is basically just ahead of one of those things that floats around. Yeah. It's this weird mix. This is like a whole planet of organic techno barbarians. Like on this planet, there are, there are two cities whose only, only thing is to take the, the resin that the planet spews forth and make it into swords, armor, eating utensils, plates, your favorite chair that grandpappy passed you down. Everything, and I can't stress this enough, everything is provided by the planet or stolen 
through one of the dimensional gateways, through one of the rifts. Even their magical items, this setting has its own version of magic items called symbiotes, which give you a lot of cool powers. They're like claw-shaped or necklace-shaped or, you know, medallions or literal worms that you attach to the inside of your mouth kind of stuff. Each one gives you magical powers of some kind at the cost of something else. It could yeah. be a minor thing, like you're irritated all the time, or it could be a major thing, like your physical endurance is reduced by one third. Yeah. There are worms of armor, worms of blood, worms of mending, worms of power, worms of seeing. Yeah, there are no healing potions, but you get bags of worms that you drop into people's work, <laughs> open wounds. Isn't that awesome? Such a gross. I know it's so gross, but so cool. Okay, then we get the monsters. Lots and lots and lots of monsters. Monsters and monsters. And I like that many of these pieces of art are Kevin Sambita pieces. We see less yes. and less of his art these days. God, the battle scenes are really cool, though. Lots of monsters. Lots of weird magic items. Lots of crystals. Stuff and stuff and stuff and stuff. And then we get the bad guy NPCs. And, again, hierarchies. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of this game is... A, a lot of this game is interpersonal... Re- reactions because the battles when they come would probably be fairly apocalyptic um i mean these are armies you you may you know work your way up through a couple of of levels with raiding parties and you know stuff like that but a a lot of it will be you role-playing your place in that society trying to get to what you want Mm -hmm. like you can't just walk into the town and say hey heal me hey send me here hey it's like no no i will not Yeah, I think there's a lot of going out into the field, doing battle, coming back, maybe trying to find support from the upper echelons and not getting it unless you do them favors and play their games and deal with their bullshit. There is a lot, like you you spoke of earlier, there's a lot of infighting uh, going on with humanity. It's, It's not like actual fighting. But there, there's, think of two, two bureaucracies who won't share information with each other, like uh, Homeland Security and the CIA. They're just like, no, you have your database, we have ours. You can't look at it. We're, 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 we're not going to help you here. <laughs> it's, it's just, it, it's, it's like that. And it's, it's, it's codified. And I, I, I love that. And if you are one of those players who really wants to take on the role of the juggernaut badass APOC, you're going to have an even harder time getting help from society where you're branded as an outcast. Yeah, you'll be lucky to get food in a town. One thing I really like about this game is it doesn't go into money. There is no money. There's trading of favors. Yeah. But nobody nobody starts the game with money because I'm, I'm getting the feeling <laughs> that money just isn't a thing here. Because you don't need money when, you know, there's shelter everywhere. And you can just ask the the local holy man to, you know, make you more. Water comes from the ground and food falls from the sky. Yeah. I love that each of these character classes where it says money, not applicable, blah, 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 yeah. blah, 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 blah. We got a lot of monsters. We you go into the the society that's ruling the, the host of darkness. And uh, let's just say they're pretty awesome. If you want some really fucked up demonic villains to spring on your heroes, you can get some good ideas here. One of them, very specifically, that I'd like to draw your attention to. This is on page 126 and 127, and it's a character called the Entrancer. Has a single eye and a rotten skull. This is a super intelligent, psionic, mind-controlling bad guy that can possibly be a good guy if you, you know, plead really hard to your GM to let this happen. I did that. Yeah? 
But it was it was a, an SDC world, and I wanted to be an entrancer that came to an SDC world. And the GM didn't look at the numbers first, and then he <laughs> scoffed when I showed him that I had four thousand hit points. Wait, did I miss over that when I went? Uh, look on page one twenty seven. Hit points in an SDC environment: one d four times one thousand. <laughs> No, I'm no. thinking that's a typo, but it's in the book. Jesus, <laughs> fuck. So what'd you roll? I rolled a four. <laughs> I had 4,000 hit points. And of course, he very quickly made me make a new character. But right. anyway. <laughs> Go up, slap the glitter boy, punch the dragon. Yeah. We'll be here all day. Yeah. <laughs> There's kind of a Studio Ghibli feel to this. If you get what I'm saying, tell me more. Well, it's like a dark studio Ghibli, but uh, you know, you have your your flying lizards, you have your weird moving uh, citadels, you have everything made of flesh and bulbous and pustuly. It's like it's like the Badlands in Nausicaa and the Valley of the Wind, with all the bugs and like water welling up and. Yeah, I could, I could see that. It's also got some elements of dark crystal, I would say. Yeah. Only dark crystal to me always has a place that uh, an atmosphere of slow moving doom, whereas yeah. this is not a slow moving doom. This is a vicious army of man eating demons. I think my problems would have been fixed if there was any sort of follow up, because I, I, I think they had their story. And they just, they never got around to writing the second book. The first one didn't sell well. And, you know, that was that. And unfortunately, I think you're right. Yeah. Some articles in Rifter, but that's it. That's all we see of Wormwood. Unfortunately, the next dimension book that comes out is Phase World, which I think is a great dimension book. However, ever onward, the dimension book series basically becomes the phase world series like yeah aside from a couple of exceptions the rest of them are phase world extensions which is a little disappointing i think they could have turned it into its own sideline like chaos earth yeah i guess the power level in phase world is off the charts in comparison to the rest of rift that's a different book <laughs> we'll talk about that <laughs> later you are right it is really sad that there's no more no yeah. no more books in this setting come forth. One thing I want to touch on before before we 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 move out of this is there's a lot of stuff in here that's shows the submission of humanity to the unholy and they they go on for for fairly long articles, pages and pages and it's scattered around how even even battered down by the the boot heel of this demonic army, they will still aid agents who are there to uh to wreak havoc or have like guerrilla fighters that they help for or put out pies for, you know, revolutionaries, <laughs> you know, I mean, there's, there's, there's all this stuff. And I, while it does give this image of a beat down humanity, it also shows that we're sneaky little primates and you've never really beaten us. You know, we'll, we'll still try, we'll still try our, in our own little way to, to fuck with our oppressors. I do like that a lot. Humanity may be conquered, but they are not defeated. Yeah, that's right. This is a revolution pie right here. <laughs> yeah, there, there's there is more stuff. The art is gritty, and there's this there's this almost cartoony feel to it. Probably because it's a lot of it is is comic book, um, but the big big bulgy eyes and blood everywhere, and it's 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 really good. It's a good book. It's one of the few books of my Rifts collection that I have kept since I acquired it. Nice, nice. 
All right. Well, thanks for tuning in, folks. Uh, Catch us on the next one. That was Wormwood. You've been listening to The Glitter Boys, a Palladium Books fan podcast. Glitter Boys, Rifts, the Megaverse, and all other such topics are the property of Kevin Sambita and Palladium Books. Please buy all their stuff and help keep them in print and making more games. You can order directly at palladiumbooks.com, and their entire catalog is available digitally at DriveThruRPG as well. Our opening music is 8-Bit Bass and Lead by Furby Guy from freesound.org. This closing music is Caravana by Philip Gross, available at freemusicarchive.org. All sound effects used are self-made or acquired via Creative Commons Zero License. If you like what you have heard, find us on Twitter and Facebook as The Glitter Boys. That's B-O-I-S. And check us out online at breakfastpuppies.com slash glitterboys. And also join us on the Breakfast Puppies Network Discord at breakfastpuppies.com slash discord. And if you want to help us out, please spread the word and help us build a community. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you next time.